Chapter 19 of The Beast of Tarzan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Christopher. The Beast of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 19 The Last of the Kincaid. Shortly after the break of day, Tarzan was on deck noting the condition of the weather. The wind had abated. The sky was cloudless. Every condition seemed ideal for the commencement of the return voyage to Jungle Island, where the beasts were to be left, and then home. The ape-man aroused the mate and gave instructions that the Kincaid sail at the earliest possible moment. The remaining members of the crew, safe in Lord Greystoke's assurance that they would not be prosecuted for their share in the villainies of the two Russians, hastened with cheerful alacrity to their several duties. The beasts, liberated from the confinement of the hold, wandered about the deck, not a little to the discomfiture of the crew, in whose minds there remained the still vivid picture of the savagery of the beast in conflict with those who had gone to their deaths beneath the fangs and talons, which even now seemed itching for the soft flesh of further prey. Beneath the watchful eyes of Tarzan and Mugambi, however, Sheeta and the apes of Akut curbed their desires, so that the men worked about the deck amongst them in far greater security than they imagined. At last the Kincaid slipped down the Ugambi and ran out upon the shimmering waters of the Atlantic. Tarzan and Jane Clayton watched the verdure-clad shore receding in the ship's wake, and for once the ape-man left his native soil without one single pang of regret. No ship that sailed the seven seas could have borne him away from Africa to resume his search for his lost boy with half the speed that the Englishman could have desired, and the slow-moving Kincaid seemed scarce to move at all to the impatient mind of the bereaved father. Yet the vessel made progress even when she seemed to be standing still, and presently the low hills of Jungle Island became distinctly visible upon the western horizon ahead. In the cabin of Alexander Paulvitch, the thing within the black box ticked, 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 with apparently unending monotony, but yet, second by second, a little arm which protruded from the periphery of one of its wheels came nearer and nearer to another little arm, which projected from the hand which Paulvitch had set at a certain point upon the dial beside the clockwork. When these two arms touched one another, the ticking of the mechanism would cease, forever. Jane and Tarzan stood upon the bridge looking out toward Jungle Island. The men were forward, also watching the land grow upward out of the ocean. The beast had sought the shade of the galley, where they were curled up in sleep. All was quiet and peace upon the ship and upon the waters. Suddenly, without warning, the cabin roof shot up into the air. A cloud of dense smoke puffed far above the Kincaid. There was a terrific explosion which shook the vessel from stem to stern. Instantly, pandemonium broke loose upon the deck. The apes of Akut, terrified by the sound, ran hither and thither, snarling and growling. Sheeta leaped here and there, screaming out his startled terror in hideous cries that sent the ice of fear straight to the hearts of the Kincaid's crew. Mugambi, too, was trembling. Only Tarzan of the apes and his wife retained their composure. Scarce had the debris settled than the ape-man was among the beasts, quieting their fears, talking to them in low, pacific tones, stroking their shaggy bodies and assuring them, as only he could, that the immediate danger was over. An examination of the wreckage showed that their greatest danger now lay in fire, for the flames were licking hungrily at the splintered wood of the wrecked cabin, and had already found a foothold upon the lower deck through a great jagged hole which the explosion had opened. By a miracle, no member of the ship's company had been injured by the blast, the origin of which remained forever a total mystery to all but one, the sailor who knew that Paulvitch had been aboard the Kincaid and in his cabin the previous night. He guessed the truth, but discretion sealed his lips. It would, doubtless, fare none too well for the man who had permitted the arch-enemy of them all aboard the ship in the watches of the night, 
where later he might set an infernal machine to blow them all to kingdom come. No, the man decided that he would keep this knowledge to himself. As the flames gained headway, it became apparent to Tarzan that whatever had caused the explosion had scattered some highly inflammable substance upon the surrounding woodwork, for the water which they poured in from the pump seemed rather to spread than to extinguish the blaze. Fifteen minutes after the explosion, great black clouds of smoke were rising from the hold of the doomed vessel. The flames had reached the engine room, and the ship no longer moved toward the shore. Her fate was as certain as though the waters had already closed above her charred and smoking remains. "'It is useless to remain aboard her longer,' remarked the ape-man to his mate. "'There is no telling, but there may be other explosions, and as we cannot hope to save her, the safest thing which we can do is take the boats without further loss of time and make land.' Nor was there any alternative. Only the sailors could bring away any belongings, for the fire, which had not yet reached the forecastle, had consumed all in the vicinity of the cabin which the explosion had not destroyed. Two boats were lowered, and as there was no sea the landing was made with infinite ease. Eager and anxious, the beast of Tarzan sniffed the familiar air of their native island as the small boats drew in toward the beach, and scarce had their keels grated upon the sand than Sheeta and the apes of a cut were over the bows and racing swiftly toward the jungle. A half-sad smile curled the lips of the ape-man as he watched them go. "'Good-bye, my friends,' he murmured. "'You have been good and faithful allies, and I shall miss you.' "'They will return, will they not, dear?' asked Jane Clayton at his side. "'They may and they may not,' replied the ape-man. "'They have been ill at ease since they were forced to accept so many human beings into their confidence. "'Mugambi and I alone affected them less, for he and I are at best but half-human.' You, however, and the members of the crew are far too civilized for my beast. It is you whom they are fleeing. Doubtless they feel that they cannot trust themselves in the vicinity of so much perfectly good food without the danger that they may help themselves to a mouthful sometime by mistake. Jane laughed. I think they are just trying to escape you, she retorted. You are always making them stop something which they see no reason why they should not do. Like little children they are, doubtless delighted at this opportunity to flee from the zone of parental discipline. If they come back, though, I hope they won't come by night. Or come hungry, eh? laughed Tarzan. For two hours after landing, the little party stood watching the burning ship which they had abandoned. Then there came faintly to them from across the water the sound of a second explosion. The Kincaid settled rapidly almost immediately thereafter, and sank within a few minutes. The cause of the second explosion was less a mystery than that of the first, the mate attributing it to the bursting of the boilers when the flames had finally reached them. But what had caused the first explosion was a subject of considerable speculation among the stranded company. End of chapter 19